Welcome everyone to the third and final podcast we're doing with Sasha, who is an experienced hire who recently joined McKinsey's operations practice in Europe. And we're going to have a final discussion with him to see some of the lessons and best practices he applied to make that transition. Welcome, Sasha, and thank you for your time. Yeah, Michael, no problem. Thank you. So congratulations on getting your offer. You must be happy. Yeah, well, I mean, you understand my my situation. I am really happy about all this stuff. And that was actually the the accumulation of the of the long process that I started more than two years ago. So, so when you say the process started two years ago, can you elaborate on that? Can you talk more about that? Yes, of course. So actually, the the situation was that I I spent in France. Well, uh, I I was postulating in France. I spent several years in France in research, and uh, at one moment I decided to change the career and to go to the to go back to the business because I started to work a lot of years ago in the management consulting mm-hmm. company in my in my own country. And so, actually, it was the decision was in 2008, right after the financial crisis. So you can imagine the situation. So it yes. was completely difficult to to enter anywhere. I managed however to enter into the special and small consultancy boutique specialized in the project management and uh, I was dealing with the project management of big infrastructures. And then I decided to upscale my career and I went to go to do the MBA program. And by the way for those who listen to me, I would say that in some situations, MBA can be really, really useful, as it was in my case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did this MBA program, and I did it in a part-time basis, so I continued to work, mm-hmm. continued to accumulate the experience. And finally, at the end of the MBA program, I, I had to convert it into, into a new job. So one of the fields was consulting, but actually at that time I was completely sure that consulting was closed for me. First because of the age, first and the utmost because of the age, mm-hmm. and second because I was in, in France and uh, so consulting in France really country specific, you really need to be French to enter into consulting here and so on. Yes. So you see the picture. And um, in this way, I can say that I started the process uh, more than two years ago when I entered the part-time MBA. So you, your story is interesting in the sense that you, you, you did an MBA in France, so you, know, you, yeah. you, you weren't looking at going out into London and the US and so on. And I'm guessing one of the reasons you did that is because you wanted to work while you were studying, right? Exactly, exactly. That was the idea, and I was looking for a part-time MBA program. And actually, there, there's not so much MBA programs except for the executive MBA study. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to go to the executive MBA because from an academical point of view, it's not completely not the same point as the normal MBA program. So um, the, fortunately, one of the best part-time MBA programs was near Paris, and uh, actually, the the school is 
ranked in the top 20 of mm -hmm. world uh, MBA programs, but on the part-time program, I think uh, it can be considered uh, in the top 10 probably. Yeah, so, and uh, continue. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I've chosen this program. I was accepted. I did it uh, very well and because I was motivated. And then, as I told the uh, I had to convert it into, into the different job. So for me, the options were either to go to the industry, mm -hmm. uh, or as I finally learned, to go to consulting, but something as an experienced hire. So that that was finally the option which worked. And obviously, I mean, you know that a lot of people who went through the same plan as you, you know, a lot of the uh, part-time MBA students were not as successful with consulting recruiting. But it sounded like because you had a good idea why you were doing your, your part-time MBA, you were able to keep focused on the end goal versus a lot of people who do their MBAs hoping to get something good out of it but don't really have a very good plan. Is that a good assessment? Yes, I think that well, actually, in my class, uh, which was a part-time MBA class, mm -hmm. uh, the I would say that the the idea of career was much more clear mm -hmm. of these people with these people when compared to the guys from the full-time MBA. Because the full-time MBA guys, they were just making this break of almost two years, mm -hmm. and they were taking fun, student life, and so on and so on. They, Guys in my class, we were about 40. Everyone was really concentrated because it, it's quite a huge charge when you make the MBA, which is equivalent in the contents to the full-time MBA, mm -hmm. and you have your job at the same time. So, I mean, it's, it's awful. The, these two years were completely canceled from my life. Yes. <laughs> in any social point of view. Mm -hmm. But uh, and so you you really need to be focused, otherwise. You can you cannot handle it. Yes, but it seems like you obviously you managed to pull it off, right? Let's just talk very briefly about your application into McKinsey. You know, talk us through that. Was it a straightforward application? You simply applied online. How did you go through that process? Well, actually, not. I didn't apply online. Uh, actually, uh, in our MBA program, they organized a consulting event. Mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, representatives from different consulting company uh, coming to this uh, to this forum and at that time I was already contacted by a consulting company by actually by BCG but the office from my own country and they were proposing me to apply and uh, to see whether I can pass the whole process mm -hmm. so that first contact gave me an idea that probably I shouldn't cancel consulting as a potential development of my career because before that I was really concentrating on the industry. So I went to this consulting forum and just went to the booth of uh, McKinsey mm -hmm. and I talked to the recruitment uh, representative at, at this uh, McKinsey stand and the girl told me that actually McKinsey is not only strategy consulting, it's a lot of operations, mm -hmm. and that in operations, 
quite often they hire the experienced people and that my age and I was already 38 mm -hmm. at this moment isn't really a problem it can be even considered as an advantage mm -hmm. because I have this industry experience I uh, I'm mature in some aspects aspects a lot more than the fellow guys from the full-time MBA who are probably less than 30 years old and so on and so on and so that was a kind of discovery for me because I was really as I told you I was really uh, sure that the age was the major obstacle and I decided to, to follow this route I sent her my TV and uh, she told me, well, it's like interesting your CV because you, I had quite a good credential. I finished the best engineering school in my country with a very high GPA. I did a very good result on the GMAT and, and so on and so on. So, I mean, uh, from the objective point of view, uh, I was a rather good profile for, mm -hmm. for a consulting company. Yeah. And did you consider BCG and Bain or, or was McKinsey the, the one you wanted and that's the one you focused on? Well, actually, as soon as I entered the process with McKinsey, I really concentrated on McKinsey because the, the three companies are quite different in yes, culture. Really. And I, I knew that to, you know, our career services at one moment gave us good advice. If you want to enter a company before starting the interviews, you really should become the employee of this company. Mm -hmm. You should really know the maximum about it. And uh, so I really concentrated on McKinsey. I had the one month before the first interview. Mm -hmm. So I, I really had to catch up on the case cracking because I didn't do case cracking at all before. Mm -hmm. And I really needed to learn what it is the operations practice in McKinsey, what it is the capital productivity service line in McKinsey, mm -hmm. because I was interviewed for this particular service line. And uh, so a lot of information to, to treat. And uh, I was working at the same time. So, I mean, no, I, I had one silver bullet in my gun. And <laughs> I, I really wanted to increase the chances. So, so that's great advice. I think that a lot of candidates, well, I think 99% of people look at McKinsey, BCG, Bain, and they say they're all the same, so we can apply to all three, but they're actually very different, right? It's like driving no. a BMW, Audi, and Mercedes. They're all luxury cars, but they're completely different mm -hmm. in layout and all manner of things. Yeah. So you focused on McKinsey, which was obviously, in hindsight, the right decision to make. But, but one thing does strike me about your experience is that it, everything came down to you meeting this McKinsey woman, the recruiter, I'm guessing, at the forum, mm -hmm. who was, um, I think, mature enough and open-minded enough to look at your background and say, you know what, you've got a good background, it, it's similar to what McKinsey is looking for in operations. Do you feel that, given the fact you went to a Russian school, uh, Russian university, even though you finished you know, top of your, uh, near the top of your class, did very well and so on, do you feel that because you were in France and there was a better knowledge of Russian schools, that may have helped you? Or do you feel that if you had applied in Canada and the United States, it would have had a similar outcome? Uh, well, I 
don't think that the name of uh, my Russian school told her anything. This Do, is, okay. I mean, in, in Russia it's really valued, but mm -hmm. outside of Russia it's not really known. Well, it's known in some restricted circles, like, mm -hmm. uh, for example, if you talk to the guys from MIT in mm -hmm. the United States, they, they would probably know about this engineering mm -hmm. school in Russia. But outside of this particular field, it's not well known. I think probably what uh, tilted her interest to my profile was the experience on these big infrastructure projects that I had. And uh, McKinsey, obviously, shifting its attention to this kind of uh, problematics, because you, you're more and more uh, the question of infrastructures is taking really big attention in, in these recent years in the developing countries, by the way. You know, McKinsey just published a report on the infrastructures mm -hmm. in the world. And yeah. the, the market is enormous. It's about $50 billion until 2030. So the huge challenge is here. And I think the major factor was my experience then the fact that I did the MBA and then the fact that I had good uh, notes and uh, good GMAT score probably. Okay, so definitely grades played a, a really big role because the school wasn't as well known by the recruiter or at least outside of you know pure engineering scientific circles. So let's talk about your first interview, right? So you had a month to prepare. How did that no. go? Well, uh, the first interview was uh, on phone, mm -hmm. so actually it was a case interview, the classic case interview, but as I told you, I, I, I well, I probably did a couple of cases during my studies in the, uh, in the MBA mm -hmm. just to test what was, what was it and so on and so on, and mm -hmm. finally since I oriented to the industry, I decided, well, I will not lose my time making cases. That was a bad decision, mm -hmm. by the way. So now I had to catch up really quickly with the cases and so on. So I was searching on the internet enormously on different mm -hmm. materials to prepare and so on. Mm -hmm. That's how, by the way, I I found your your site also. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of information that you can extract from the internet. So mm -hmm. the, the challenge is more to that there are too much information that's yeah. not enough. Um, so it, you really need to, to, to find the, the good sources. And the second point is also very important is practice. I had a guy who was also passing through the uh, recruitment process in MBD, and we were making a lot of uh, case cracking together with him. Uh, just, well, a lot of, I mean, everything is relative. Mm -hmm. um, the total number of cases that I did through this period of two and a half months was probably 30 cases. That's uh, not too bad. So roughly one every two days. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Something like this. Exactly. So uh, that before the first interview, which I had on phone with uh, McKinsey, I probably did uh, something like 15 cases. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, the first interview is really, uh, they just need to be sure that the candidate is not completely out of uh, of the scope and yeah. uh, just not to lose the time with him on the next round. So I did, I would say, correct performance. They were, it was really enough to go to the next round. They told that, well, they were happy. They told that I was structured, that I had a... Uh, quick uh, calculation skills and so on and so on, but I would say I, my performance was normal performance for someone who did uh, about ten cases. Okay, and and it was right. a, and you say it was a simple case. I'm guessing it must have been a profitability case. Uh, well, no, that was a um, case with a um, financial. Uh, uh, no, actually, it was a case. Uh, with uh, the decision about the ramp up in production capacities, uh, so you you had different options to compare. Mm -hmm. as, well, as always with the McKinsey cases, you had to make a bit of brainstorming to to show that you, you can you are considering different options for this production capacity increase, and then they proposed one option that you had to calculate uh, the, the impacts of, of this decision and so on and so on. So something standard, but it, it wasn't a profitability case, no. Okay. So it's a case, it seems like it was a case tailored to the operations practice. Yes. I would say that it was more close to the operations practice. Yes. And uh, was the, uh, was the um, case done by an um, alum of the firm or by a McKinsey consultant? Um, I think that McKinsey, for these uh, preliminary stages, they have people, probably an ex-McKinsey mm -hmm. hired, yeah. that, and they do this. I, I had an impression that the girl, the girl was calling from States. Spain. Or probably I, I had to call, to call her. But, I mean, in her voice, in her way of giving me this case, I saw that she was doing this probably ten times per day and yes. fifty times per week. It was really mechanical. So it's it's like a she was like a professional case giver. So so she wasn't really trying to test your skills. She was trying to see if you're good enough to move to the next round. Exactly. Yeah. I really had an impression that it was a certain barrier to to cross. The barrier wasn't really high, and you. Why you just needed to be good enough to go to the next round? Okay, so so I mean it's a standard process. McKinsey, BCG all do that to make sure that when you come into the office for the interview, you know you're someone who needs to be there. But you're obviously smart enough to figure that out and not get you know all excited to say I passed the first round. I'm going to get the offer soon. You realize there were, you know, there were things you need to do differently. So talk us through how you went your preparation for the second round. Well, I decided that uh, for the second round, what I needed really to first to concentrate more on the operations-oriented mm -hmm. cases, and uh, um, I I was just searching for the different case books uh, mm -hmm. for the operations cases, and because you know, in, for, for me, in case preparation. You have the the huge component is obviously structure, mm -hmm. and you don't really need to memorize 
the 10 frameworks mm -hmm. or 15 frameworks and so on. The, the basic frameworks are quite simple, mm -hmm. but you really know, you, you really have to possess them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like a skill that you really have to, to develop. And but together with this structured approach, you also, in my opinion, you really, it, it's good when you have an experience of making cases in different domains. Yeah. Uh, just not to encounter something completely out uh, of your previous uh, preparation experience. And by the way, that worked because I mean, as I, as I told you, I, I did 30 cases and more or less uh, all the cases that I had to deal with uh, during the interviews resembled me or reminding me of something that I did during the preparation. Mm -hmm. well, probably it was a, a matter of chance, but probably I just managed to cover the most classical fields of the cases. So to to summarize, my idea was to make more operations cases and to cover the broader range of of the cases subjects, I would say like this. Okay. And and, uh, and what was the structure yeah. of the second round cases? You know, how many partners were doing it? What kind of cases did you receive? Okay, so the the second round was with the engagement managers mm -hmm. and uh, the, there were three of them. Uh, all three cases were passed from the previous uh, experience so it was obvious that guys were giving me the, the cases based on the previous projects. And uh, I would say that that was a good situation because when I managed to find some ideas which were clearly the same ideas that they find, that they had found uh, at the time they were dealing with this engagement, it was really well received. You see, because you, you just show that you have the same style of thinking that they had. And uh, that really played in my favor. Um, and, and these were so all operations engagement managers, or do you meet guys from strategy doing different kinds of cases no, and so on? All the all the three guys were from operations. Okay. Cases were really oriented to operations. And did you find that you, most of your case preparation tended to be on general stuff like marketing and strategy and so on? So did you find you were relying heavily on your past operations knowledge to help you solve these cases? Well, that, that actually was the big challenge for me because my working experience in, in a very particular field is project management of construction projects. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know much about the standard operations and the production plan, for example. Mm -hmm. Of course, I had my uh, class of operations during my MBA program and by the way, during the preparation for these uh, interviews, I really reviewed all the, uh, the class uh, that, uh, mm -hmm. that I had and that helped 
but I also talked to my classmates who were in the operations by the job experience, and I was talking, well, how do you implement the, the lean project, uh, and, and so on and so on. So I was really, I, I was talking a lot with the, the guys with a hands-on experience mm -hmm. in the operation. And uh, by the way, it's not really easy to find a lot of good operations cases. Yes, uh, that's true. At least in the in the free sources. And what were some of the cases that you received? Do you remember them? Sorry. Do you remember any of the cases you received in that second round? Yeah. For example, one of the cases was um, it was about the phosphate mining company mm -hmm. and uh, so th there were three steps of, of the extraction process so the, the extraction by itself then transportation to the place where the, the uh, extracted materials were uh, broke down to the smaller pieces and then they were transported further to the enrichment plant and so the case was uh, focusing on these first three steps, and then, well, I had to find out where was the bottleneck and how it was possible to to disentangle this uh, bottleneck. The bottleneck actually was on the second step of the mm -hmm. transportation, and uh, it, it was really interesting because, I mean, it was invented, it was from the real-life experience, and as I told, uh, when I had some ideas of how you optimize the process, and it was clear that the guy who was interviewing me, he had these same ideas probably two years ago that mm -hmm. he was dealing with this engagement. And I mean, this what they really tell in the case preparation manuals that you have to transform the case cracking into the kind of conversation yes what uh, an interview and that's not an easy uh, easy task to transform it but in this particular example I, I really managed to do that because it, it was like a table party, yeah. you know I was throwing the idea to him he was replying me okay that's a good idea but uh, consider this constraint, I will, okay, with this constraint we can do it differently and so on and so on. So, uh, I mean, the, the dynamics was really good. And, and oh, all of the three guys were engagement managers, right? There were no partners in that round? No, at this round, no partners, only, only engagement managers. And they were all French nationals? Yes, actually they were all French nationals and uh, all the interviews were in French. And uh, by the way, uh, they really appreciated my language skills, and uh, all of, each of them tested a bit my English, and they were also satisfied with the level of English. So obviously, uh, language skills were a major criteria. Sure, sure. I, I mean, I think that the if I failed to pass this language test, I would say best outcome that I would have expected uh, was to be considered to the McKinsey office in my home country. Mm -hmm. um, but 
probably it would be even the direct uh, ding. Okay. So so let's just step back out of the cases and talk about Let's do the same kind of discussion we did for the first round. Talk me through what were the things you thought you had to improve. What are the things that you realize you may be weaker at going from the second round to the third round? That's actually uh, the question that I asked myself. Because, I mean, the second round was uh, so good. Mm-hmm. And object- objectively, it was really good. I mean, mm-hmm guy, uh, the last interviewer, called me a couple of hours after my last interview and he told me, well, we really were all impressed by your performance. We really see you already inside the company and so on and so on. And I told myself, well, that couldn't be, that's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. So in the in the next round i really uh, i should be really cautious about the next round and as you remember that was the moment when i contacted you mm-hmm. that was actually the question that i asked you michael what should i expect from the last round which will be with the partners and uh, as you told me the last round will be much more about the soft skills, mm-hmm. less about the case cracking, but much more about your personality, about your maturity, about your pose, and so on and so on. And I know that for me, it's probably a weaker part of myself, mm-hmm. because I mean, from analytical point of view, I'm okay. I, I'm a rather quick think- thinker, and uh, I have this kind of good structured analytical approach and so on. While uh, the communication skills under pressure, the uh, sense of self-confidence, this is probably the weak part of, of, my, of my personality. So that's why I decided to, to concentrate uh, more on this side of preparation. Uh, I was looking for different materials on the internet. By the way, on the firms consulting, you had quite a lot of uh, podcasts on this part of of the preparation of how to project confidence and mm-hmm. so on and so on. That was really, really important for me. And uh, the, the the coaching that you did uh, with when you explained me what partners would expect from me what they would expect to see uh, during the interview and how can I show this, that was really good. Yeah. And did you find it easy to follow that advice or was it difficult to, to change your behavior it, it, it in a was, few days? <laughs> it was really difficult. I mean, I, the, in some way, this is something that I need to acquire but it's still not me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have I have the basis. I, I'm not a, a shy person, but I mean, self-confidence—it's something that you have to build. You cannot just like crack your your fingers and tell and tell, okay, now I'm self-confident. And uh, definitely, it would help if I had 
practice of these uh, stress interviews, mm-hmm. but well, no time to do this practice, and I probably didn't have uh, a good partner to do it. So uh, during the third, uh, the third round, it was um, much more difficult. So, so, so let's talk to the third round interview. You know, uh, talk me through how it went. Uh, who, you know, what kind of level of person interviewed you? What were the questions like, and so on? Yeah. So the third round interview were all with the partners, and there were some senior partners, uh, like managing director of the French office mm-hmm. uh, of the operations practice right, in French office. And uh, well, I mean, the the picture was completely different with the second round interview. Mm-hmm. The the interview was were much less case oriented. Mm-hmm. The case was only a kind of pretext to mm-hmm. start the discussion, and then the discussion could turn about anything. <coughs> but I saw that. During the whole process, the guys, they were inspecting me like I was a fly under the microscope. <laughs> yeah. They, they, I mean, it's it really, and they, they have this perspicacy in, in their approach. Uh, I, I really felt that they everything in me, and they see all my weak sides, and... Uh, Even though I tried to to use the, the advices that they gave me and uh, all the other stuff that I figured out myself, mm-hmm. it was not so easy. I mean, I had probably to play a role which is not completely natural for me, and uh, I should have probably more be more prepared for that. But you obviously did a good enough job and they obviously saw that it, I think everyone who goes into those final round interviews is not ready for McKinsey but McKinsey is saying okay if you're not ready enough do you have the potential to be ready in a few years or at least you know well, the, the whole point of final round is can you be a partner in a few years mm-hmm. and you clearly yeah, were able to show that. Well I think that yeah finally <laughs> My probably the the real uh, the objective estimation of my performance was better than the subjective impression that mm-hmm. I had just after the interview because I thought that well I wouldn't pass it because guys were really stingy with me and so on and so on but uh, we did this. Uh, feedback with you after this round uh, as you told that probably those who are the most difficult with you this probably the guys who appreciate you the most also. Mm-hmm. So, well finally it worked <laughs> I mean uh, probably um, okay so let's just maybe briefly talk about you made a comment about the final round interview where the, the case was started as a pretext for a broader discussion. So you know, if I'm remembering the way I did final round interviews, I would start a case, but I actually don't care if someone finishes the case. I'm just looking to see how they think. 
and the and the discussion goes off in a completely different direction. And, and I don't think I've ever finished a final round case ever because I'm not interested in the final answer. Was your experience the same? Exactly, it's completely the same. I mean, they would give you the case just in the McKinsey way, mm -hmm. just the broad formulation of the problem, mm -hmm. and they would ask you to outline the the structure that you both use to to approach it. And by the way, when I was preparing for this uh, last round interviews, together with with the same guy, I was making the a lot of case cracking with. Uh, I just ask him, well, please give me, for example, five cases. I will not go up to the end. I will stop only at the outlining of the initial structure. Mm -hmm. And that was a good idea because uh, the real case uh, during the interviews uh, wasn't the same style. They would give me the, the outline of the case. Mm -hmm. I give the structure, mm -hmm. they say, okay, probably they would dig deeper into one branch or another branch, but we didn't even go to the calculations or whatever. They just saw that, okay, I have this structured approach, so from this point of view, they decided that they don't need to test anything more. And then the conversation was turning back to the the personal uh, personal experience interview. And and did you feel that the uh, the same warm interactive style was present, or did you feel the interviewer used a different style in the way he engaged you in the final round? Um, well, it was diff definitely different. Uh, it was already different from the second round interviews because well, you just talking to the more experienced person. Mm -hmm. They are older than you, they they have life experience and mm -hmm. so on. Mm -hmm. And between different uh, interviewers on this last round, third round, they were they had also different styles. The first one was really open, I would say friendly and uh, by the way we did the the interview in English, mm -hmm. even though he was French. Uh, the second one was quite dry mm -hmm. at the beginning, but uh, when he saw that my previous experience was quite interesting to the company, he really changed his attitude, and uh, actually the, the interview converted into the kind of discussion about what are the best practices in the project management and so on. And the third one was, I would say, really friendly in the beginning, but probably that was the most difficult interview because after this first stage of the interview, he really began to pinpoint on the, on the all weak points uh, of my profile and he was really asking me the questions that I had a lot of difficulty to reply. Okay, so obviously different styles or different interviews with different objectives. Exactly. Maybe to yeah. sort of tie up here, do you think, do you have any specific advice for experienced hires, older candidates applying for the operations practice at McKinsey? You know, obviously given 
the, the, the interaction you've had with the French office. It probably may not be applicable to every office, but let's think about someone who is an experienced hire, you know, roughly your age, finishing off an, an a part-time MBA and so on, and looking to join McKinsey's operations practice. What advice would you have for them, if any? Yeah. Well, I, I would... Well, it's probably not a, I would I would not formulate it in the form of advice, mm -hmm. but I would formulate it uh, in what is my conclusion of yes. the whole process. So, and by the way, just uh, the caveat is that it's based only on my experience. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's based also on everything that I read on the internet and so on, mm -hmm. and also on the conversations that I had. Mm -hmm. But so, the, when McKinsey is looking for experienced hire, mm -hmm. they, I think they evaluate you with a different criteria mm -hmm. compared to the freshly minted uh, postgraduate guy or uh, the guy from the full MBA uh, courses who, mm -hmm. who is uh, probably who has uh, three years or five years of experience. In the more experienced people, they they look for maturity. They look for the good knowledge of your industry, and um, they look for uh, experience in guiding people. Mm -hmm. Of course, that goes without saying that you have to demonstrate uh, good uh, analytical uh, skills, good structuring capacities, so, but this is the, I would say this, this was on the second uh, round of the interviews when you really had to crack the cases. But later, the focus really shifts your personality. You need to see whether uh, you can, from one side, you have this necessary experience of industry, but on the other side, whether you are still open enough to uh, not to be, uh, how to say, limited with what you did before and to reapply the same approach that you that you learned. Because McKinsey have their own style of dealing with the project. Yes. They don't want you to bring the solutions they want you to bring the industry knowledge, but the solutions you will have to find them during the engagement. So th th that was my my opinion, and definitely probably not the advice, but uh, the words of uh, of motivation is definitely when you have certain experience, when you have certain age, you know, more than thirty-five it is still possible to enter into McKinsey and even better you, in some particular situations, you will be privileged because of your experience, because, because of your age. Well, I think the one point you raised which is, very, which is very important is that as an experienced hire, McKinsey wants you to bring your knowledge but not only use your knowledge. You have to use your knowledge within their approach to solve cases and I think that's a common mis misconception experienced hires have. They think McKinsey just wants their knowledge, but it's just one part of what they're looking for. Sure, sure, yes. 
that's definitely true because every I think every engagement you still have to start from the very beginning they don't want you to bring the already cooked solutions mm-hmm. because that will probably because the solutions that you have they will be not different from the solutions that the clients already have you really need to be able to produce something different and something really uh, suitable for the particular client situation. Excellent. So, is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap up, Sasha? Uh, well, probably the, the most uh, important uh, conclusion that I did for myself is that as soon as you have the necessary uh, level of, I would say, analytical skills, interpersonal skills, mm-hmm. uh, the the rest can be trained. The I would say the McKinsey or BCG or Bain, it's not a place where the gods live. <laughs> the guys are just as human as everybody else. Yes. So the, the, the skills can be acquired, the cases can be prepared, and the interviews can be passed. That's all. So just be, be with enough motivation, with enough of efforts, everything is reachable. Yeah, I mean, I think your story is very, uh, I'll use the words in inverted commas, inspiring, because obviously your, English, your French is good, your English is good as well, but it's not your first languages. Um, you're an older candidate, you had a, you went to, but you were fortunate enough to go to a very good um, part-time program, but that said, you also started your preparation slightly late, but you were diligent about it, which is the most important thing, right? You weren't someone who was measuring the amount of time they spent, but you were more focused, it seems, on the quality of the time you spent. And I think that if you can keep focused on the end goal, constantly look for ways to learn, I'm not saying everyone will succeed, but it definitely improves your probability of succeeding. Yeah. Thank you, Sasha. I want you to wish you good luck at McKinsey. I'll wrap up the call here, right? Thank you. Thank you a lot.